Well, great. We return to fundamentals of the faith, and we are now in lesson two, which is on how to know the Bible. We're going to talk about how to know the Bible. We're going to talk about hearing and reading and studying and memorizing and meditating on the Bible. We've kind of talked about what the Bible is. We've talked about its inspiration and where it comes from. We've talked about kind of some of the the transmission of the text. We've talked about the books. We've kind of looked at an overview of all that was in Scripture. But now we're going to kind of talk about ourselves and learning the Scripture, getting to know the Scripture, and uh, doing all of these things, hearing, studying, reading, memorizing, meditating on it. But before we kind of get into that, I want to give you, I'm going to give you five reasons. These are in your, in your kind of handouts there, in your uh, lesson two notes. Five reasons for knowing God's Word. And really tonight, we're just going to spend a lot of time just looking at Scripture. We're going to look at a lot of verses about Scripture. We're going to kind of see what Scripture says about this topic. But five reasons to begin with, five reasons from God's Word why we should know God's Word. 2 Timothy 2.15, and I, you know, I don't know if you want to be flipping or if you just want to look on the screen, but 2 Timothy 2.15 is actually our memory verse for this lesson. Uh, and so, again, this is, a, this is a verse to memorize, a great verse. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And so, you know, why should we know the Bible? Um, first of all, because we want to be approved. We want to be approved by God. We want to be a worker. We want to serve Him in a way that, that's not shameful. And the way to do that is by rightly handling His Word, by interpreting it rightly, understanding it rightly, rightly applying it to our lives. And so that's our memory verse. And that's the first reason why we should know God's Word. Next, we have 1 Peter 2, verse 2, another reason to know God's Word. Like newborn infants, Peter says, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. So the Word of God is the thing that's going to help us to grow in our salvation. It's going to sanctify us. It's going to make us holy. It's going to kind of bring the purposes of salvation into reality in our lives and that's going to happen through the, the pure spiritual milk. And Peter's talking there about the Word of God. And so just like newborn infants long for that, that milk from their mother, they want to be fed, they're hungry, they cry for it. In the same kind of way, we should long for God's Word so that we can grow in our salvation. And of course, the more we grow, the more we're going to glorify God, which is the purpose of God's salvation in our lives. So First Peter 2, verse 2. Another reason to know God's Word is uh, in Psalm 119, verse 11. The psalmist there says, I have stored up your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so a reason to know God's Word is that, that we might not sin against Him. That we might, again, live holy and godly lives, keep away from sin. If, it, if we know the Word of God, it's going to protect us from sin. Another reason to know God's Word is in Psalm 119.38. There the, the psalmist says, Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. And the idea of the promise here is that it's, it's a promise 
in God's Word. And uh, the Legacy Standard Bible actually translates it that way a little bit more. It says, There cause your word to be established for your slave as that which produces fear for you. And so we see there from, from the Word of God, from the promises in God's Word, we, we learn to fear the Lord. And, and that's connected with, with knowing the Lord. How do we, how do we fear the Lord? It's by knowing who He is and what He's like. And so, um, the Word of God is gonna cause us to know God in greater ways, to fear Him, to revere Him, and to love Him and serve Him. Uh, another reason to know God's Word is in Psalm 119.105, a verse I think we probably know very well, a very uh, prominent verse, a very well-known verse. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so the Word of God, one of the reasons we need to know it is because it, it directs our ways. It shows us how to how to live in this world, what we should do. It, it, you know, it's a, a dark and sinful world out there, but the Word of God shows us the way to go. And so that's five reasons to know God's Word. 2 Timothy 2.15, we need to know the Bible to be approved by God, to rightly handle the Word of truth. We need to know the Bible to grow in our salvation, 1 Peter 2.2. We need to know the Bible to keep away from sin. In fact, the, the Bible is what shows us what is sin. That's where we learn what, what sin and what righteousness is, is from the Word of God. Also, it produces reverence for God. It produces the fear of God in our lives. And uh, it's a light to our path. And so that's that's kind of five reasons from the FOF curriculum. And I just kind of b- grabbed a few other verses to look at as far as why should we, why should we know the Bible. Uh, our memory verse from last time. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for, rep- for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And what we see from here is that, that Scripture is sufficient to complete us and equip us for every good work, everything God wants us to do. And so the Word of God is profitable for all of these things, so therefore we should know it so that we can get the profit out of it, right? If we don't know it, how are we going to profit from it? And so the, the Scripture is sufficient, and so we should know it for that reason. Another verse that, that's helpful when we think about why, why should we get to know the Bible? Why, why should we study it? Why should we listen to it? Why should we read it? Uh, Jude tells us that uh, there's, there's false teachers out there who would, would lead us astray, and uh, we need to know God's Word in order to defend from false teaching, to protect ourselves from being led astray. And so Jude says, Jude 3 and 4, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. And so Jude, he wants to write to the church to um, just talk about salvation, but then he realizes these people have crept in unnoticed, and, and now he has to write this letter to contend for the faith. And if we're going to be contenders for the faith that was once for all delivered, then we need to know the Word of God. If we don't know the Word of God, these 
unnoticed people are going to creep in and, and lead us astray. Um, another passage that shows us why we need to know the Bible is the way that the Lord dealt with um, temptation from the devil. And so let's, I, I want to go here in my Bible as well because I don't, I don't remember the, the verses just off the top of my head that Jesus quotes from the Old Testament. But, you know, very early in the book of Matthew, you'll remember this, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And so the Lord Jesus is hungry. He's in the wilderness. He's been fasting. And the devil comes and 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 offers him this easy way. Hey, just make yourself some bread. Turn these stones. Prove that you're the Son of God. And how does Jesus defend himself from this temptation? How does he defend himself from the, the devil's attack? Well, it's with the word of God that he has memorized and, and remembers. And so he says to the devil, he answered him, verse 4, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And of course, that's from, I think it's Deuteronomy 8 and verse 3, but I gotta, I just gotta, um, these footnotes are very small for verses 1 to 11. See, okay, verse, I'm sorry guys, verse 4 from Deuteronomy 8.3. That's like very fine print for me in my Bible. You guys know how to, this is a, something probably we should teach in an FOF classes. Lots of times in, in your Bibles, there's like little little footnotes there, little letters that, that kind of give you more information and cross-references. And, and if there's a quote from the Old Testament, it's going to be there in one of those footnotes. So if you look in your Bible there under verse 4, maybe there's some footnotes at the bottom or in the middle of your Bible um, that'll kind of tell you where that's from. In my Bible, in the ESV, it's footnote A under verse 4, and it says cited from Deuteronomy 8.3. So Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 8.3 to defend himself against the devil's temptation. Well, the devil comes and tempts him another time. Then the devil came and then, then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And so now the devil says, oh, you like using Scripture, I'll use some Scripture too. And he tempts the Lord Jesus with the Word of God, kind of taken out of context, twisted. And Jesus again replies from the Word of God, He says, to him again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And so Jesus quotes scripture again from Deuteronomy. Um, this time it's from Deuteronomy 6 and verse 16. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And then again, the third time the devil comes again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And then the devil left him at that time. And that one there is um, cited from Deuteronomy 6 and verse 13. So three times Jesus is tempted, three times Jesus 
defends himself from Scripture. And if if we're going to defend ourselves from the devil's temptation, if the, if the Lord Jesus needed the Word of God in order to defend himself from temptation, how much more do we need to know the Word of God in order to defend ourselves from the temptation of the devil? And so there's another reason why we need to know the Bible. Another reason why we need to know the Bible is just for fruitfulness in our lives. If we want to be effective in our Christian lives, we need to know the Word of God. If we want to help others, if we want to be a blessing in others' lives, we need to know the Word of God. And so the Great Commission maybe is an example of that. Uh, you know the Great Commission. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so, um, you know, here we see kind of the, the twofold mission of the church we're to, to reach people in evangelism, make disciples kind of initially baptizing them. And so that's kind of like the, the first part of this whole thing. But then once they're baptized and they're followers of Christ, they're disciples of His, now we also need to teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And in order to do both of those things, in order to evangelize, we need to use the Word of God. It's the Word of God that's going to be effective to open people's eyes, to show them their sin, um, it's not it's not our words that are powerful. It's the word of God that's powerful to save the elect. And so, in the in the first case, we need the word of God in order to be effective evangelists. And then also, if we're going to be effective in discipling people, if we're going to be effective in teaching them how to live for the Lord in this world, then we need to know the word of God in that way as well. And so, we need to know the word of God in order to be effective. Um, kind of some other verses along this line, uh, Acts 17 and verse 2. Uh, Paul there goes in, uh, I forget where he is, actually Acts 17, is that is that in Athens? And um, he goes as is his custom, and on the three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And what I want you to just kind of see from there is that when when Paul goes on his missionary journeys and he's evangelizing the Jews in those cities, he's he's reasoning with them from the Scriptures. He's reasoning from the Word of God. He's proving to them that it was necessary for Jesus to suffer and to rise from the dead. And he's showing them that from Scripture and telling them about the Lord Jesus. And, and if... If Paul needs to do that from Scripture, obviously we need to do that from Scripture as well. And then one more kind of along along these lines is 1 Peter chapter 3. It says there, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, Yet do this with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. And so Peter's talking about if you, if you suffer for righteousness sake, if you're persecuted, um, in, in a difficult time, of course the church was being persecuted, uh, in Peter's day, and, uh, he says, don't fear them, don't be troubled, honor Christ in your, in, in your heart as the Lord, 
and be ready to make a defense. And of course, we're going to do that, again, from the Word of God. We're going to give someone a reason for the hope that's in us. We're going to have to give them that reason from the Word of God. And so, again, just just reasons why we need to know the Bible. Another reason kind of tied with what we saw before as far as not sinning against God or growing in our salvation, Jesus says in John 17, 17, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. And the idea of that word sanctify, again, is to make holy, to to grow us in Christ, to to make us more like him, to to set us apart from sin. And that's going to happen through the word of God. And so Jesus, when he prays for his disciples, he wants them to be sanctified And he recognizes that's going to happen through the truth. And the truth is the word of God. And so there's some more reasons why why we should know the scripture. It's uh, sufficient to equip us, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. We need to know the Bible in order to defend the faith against false teaching. We need to know the Bible in order to defend against temptation and the devil We need to know the Bible for fruitfulness and evangelism and discipleship and really just in our our day-to-day Christian lives, we need to know God's Word and and use it to be fruitful and effective and for sanctification, for growing to be like Christ. All of these are reasons why we need to know the Word of God. And so let's kind of talk about then, well, how do we know it? How do we we get to know the Bible? And I, I like what what John MacArthur said in his, um, in the FOF. I don't know if it's in your version or if it's just in mine here, but this is a, a quote from, from John there right at the beginning. It, sa- it says, if a person hears, reads, studies, memorizes, and then meditates on the Bible, his grasps on its truths become firm. They are part of his life. As the thumb is needed in combination with any finger to complete your hold, So meditation combined with hearing, reading, studying, and memorizing is essential for a full grasp of God's word. And so he's kind of saying we need, we need all of these things that we're going to look at. And the first one is to hear the Bible. But even before we get to that, there's just some, some prerequisites. This, this is kind of what, what needs to go before. You, you know what a prerequisite is in school. If you, if you're in school and you, You've, you want to take a class, maybe there's some prerequisites, there's some classes that you need to take before you take that class. And so these are things that, that need to go before, things that are required before. And really, in, in order to know the Bible, what's, what's first required is that we would be saved. And so we need to, and, and of course there's, there's kind of a combination here where in order to be saved, we need to hear the Bible. But if we're going to really get to know the Scripture as believers, then we need to be believers. We need the Holy Spirit to enlighten us. And I just want to kind of show you this from a couple of Scriptures. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.13, Paul says there, We impart this word, we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And so Paul here is saying that what we teach, we're not teaching human wisdom. We're, the things that we teach, the gospel that we teach is 
is taught by the Spirit. And it's a, it's spiritual truths that we're teaching to those who are spiritual. And then he says the natural person doesn't accept the things of the Spirit. They're, they're folly to him. He's not able to understand them. It's not that uh, an unbeliever is unable to understand the word intellectually, but the idea here is they're not able to accept it. They're not able to, to grasp it with their heart. They're, they're blinded to these truths. And so it's, it's foolishness to them and they reject the word. And, and he's been talking about that all through 1 Corinthians up to this point. And so in order to really get to know the Bible and, and have it really come alive for us to, to be able to accept it and understand it in a spiritual way, we need to be born again. We need to be saved people. God needs to open our eyes to these things because they're spiritually discerned. And so if we're coming to the Bible and we haven't come to Jesus Christ, uh, you know, we haven't come to Him in faith, trusting in Him for salvation, then, then these things aren't going to make sense to us. And you'll often hear that in a, in a, in a testimony. When somebody gets saved, all of a sudden the Bible is a new book. All of a sudden it's exciting. All of a sudden it makes, it makes sense. Things click that didn't click before. And that's because the Spirit of God is working in that person now to open their eyes to the Word of God. So prerequisite is, is we need to be saved. And we see that all through the, the New Testament. John eight forty seven, Jesus says, Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. And so Jesus is talking to his, his opposition at this point, and, and whoever is of God hears the words, but the people that he's talking to aren't hearing the word, and the reason that Jesus gives is because you are not of God. And again, the idea there is these people aren't born again. They haven't been granted ears to hear, eyes to see. They haven't come to faith in Christ, and so they're not, they're not able to hear and accept what Jesus is calling them to. And in 1 John 2.27, we have the same idea there. The, the anointing that you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. And the idea here of this anointing is that this is the work of the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God is in every true believer, and he is working in our lives to, 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 again, to illuminate us to the truth of God. And so the Holy Spirit is working and he, and he's teaching us. We don't need somebody else to teach us. That doesn't mean that we, we shouldn't have teachers, but, but we don't, we don't need to be taught. Um, and I'm, I'm probably going to have trouble just articulating this fully. Um, but, the, the, just as we've been taught in the beginning, the, the spirit that's in us is true and he has taught us. And, and so what John is saying is we need to abide in the truth that we received when we were first saved. Don't go astray into this false teaching that's happening, but remain with the, the teaching that you got from the beginning, which was, which was by the Holy Spirit. And so again, just the idea that the Holy Spirit is working in the life of a believer. And if, if we don't have that, we don't have that illumination and we're not going to be able to understand and rightly apply the word of God. And so in order to do this, we, we first need to be uh, saved. 
Any questions about, about anything so far? Again, this is supposed to be somewhat interactive, although by default I probably just talk the whole time and don't, don't give opportunity for questions. If you have a question at any, at any time, you just, just go ahead and, and put your hand up and I'll, I'll try to answer it. Well, as we think about, okay, how do we know the Bible? I want to just kind of start off with the example of Ezra. Uh, Ezra is a, a great example to me. I love Ezra Nehemiah. We're going to look at Nehemiah 8 a little bit later on, but uh, Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10 is a, a really important verse. Kind of starting in verse 9, he came to Jerusalem. So Ezra was in the exile and um, he was allowed to go to Jerusalem. He came to Jerusalem, it says, for the good hand of his God was on him. And so we could ask the question, well, why was the good hand of Ezra's God on him? Well, verse 10 gives us the reason for Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. And so Ezra is a great example to us. His, his heart was set. He, he had, he had kind of worked his heart and he wants to study the word of God. He wants to study the law of God and understand what it says, not just so that he can know it and, and maybe look smart or something like that, but he wants to, to know it so that he can do it. And he doesn't only want to just do it for himself, but now he also wants to teach other people. He wants to teach the statutes and rules of the Lord to Israel or in Israel. And so, Ezra is really a great example for us to study, to apply it to our lives, and then to, to use the Word of God in other people's lives as well. That's, that was Ezra's heart, and uh, really it should be the heart of every true child of God, that, that we want to know God's Word, not just, not just again for intellectual knowledge, but so that we can do it, so that we can obey, so that we can glorify God in this world. And so that we can be useful in other people's lives, so that we can be a blessing to them, so that we can help people by helping them to apply the Word of God as well. And so Ezra is a great example to us in that, and we'll, we'll come back and see more about Ezra in Nehemiah chapter uh, 8. So, how do we know the Bible? We've got these five strategies, hearing, reading, studying, memorizing, and uh, meditating. And the first one is, is we just need to hear the Bible. Uh, Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And so God somehow builds faith in our lives as we hear the word of God, as we, as we understand it, God works through the word to build faith so that we believe his word. Now this doesn't happen for everyone, but especially for believers, the, the more we hear, the more it just kind of absorbs into us and and we believe it. And so we, we hear the word and we believe the word. And so we need the word of God and we need to hear it so that we can have faith. Well, Jesus was teaching one day, Luke uh, eleven twenty seven, and a lady in the crowd raised her voice and said, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed, which I was thinking about today would just kind of be kind of awkward if you were in the middle of teaching and somebody just yells that out, right? Um, but um, anyways, the, this lady is just like, wow, how blessed is your mom, Jesus, because you're just so awesome. And uh, Jesus says, you know, he, he replies, but he said to her, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And so hearing the word of God 
is, is a blessing. And, and not just hearing it, but hearing it in the biblical sense, which means to really hear it and obey. It's not just hearing, right? It's the, it's not the hearer of the word that will be blessed, James says, but the, the one who, who does what it says. And so Jesus says, no, it's not, it's not my mom who's blessed. And maybe that's kind of good for the Catholics or whatever. It's not my mom who's, who's necessarily blessed, but it's those who hear the word of God and keep it. And so we should be hearers of the word. Um, Nehemiah chapter eight, I said we'd come here eventually. And so here we are. Um, Nehemiah chapter eight kind of gives us a, a picture of hearing the word. And, and before we even read that, um, you know, when we think about hearing the word of God and, and we think especially back in the New Testament times, most of, most of the people wouldn't have had a copy of God's word, right? Maybe, maybe a church would have, especially in the New Testament, well, even in the Old Testament, they wouldn't have had, it would have been very rare to have a, a copy of God's word, to have a scroll of Isaiah or, or a letter from Paul or whatever. And so the, the way that, that, that most people would be able to hear the word wouldn't be through their own private devotions and reading like we can do now in our Bibles, but they would have had to hear the word of God preached. And uh, that's what we see in Ezra chapter 8. Ezra, who had, who had set his heart to study and to do and to teach, um, well, in Nehemiah chapter 8, he, he comes along and, and he's going to teach Israel during the, uh, the Feast of Booths. And so the, the, the people had come together and verse 4, Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose and beside him stood, and I just kind of dot, dot, dotted out all the names because there was some people on his left and some people on his right. And you guys know how hard it is for me to pronounce all those words on Sunday. I'm really thankful that we're almost through Second uh, Samuel. And I'm going to pick a book without names for a while, for a, for a long time. Um, all those Hebrew names, but I dot, dot, dotted those out for tonight. And, and so Ezra is on his wooden platform that they made for this thing. And he opens the book in the sight of all the people. And so he opens up the, the law of God for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, the people stood and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, amen, amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, and then here's some more people the Levites, they helped the people understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And, and really what I, what I wanted you to see here is just this idea here. They, they clearly gave the word and they, they gave the sense to, so that the people understood. And that's really the goal of teaching and preaching is, is that, that I would, I would preach the word so that you get the sense, so that you understand what it means and, um, and, and can now apply it to, to your life. And so really what, what's probably happening here with this word clearly is, is likely what's, what's going on is they're, they're actually Ezra's translating the word. Um, I don't know if I want to go into this too much, but, when, when Israel was exiled, um, they, they learned Aramaic and they lost their, their understanding of the Hebrew language. And so Ezra, the scribe, he knew Hebrew, but it's most likely that the people didn't know the Hebrew. And so what Ezra is doing is he's, he's most likely here translating 
the word of God to the people so that they can understand it. And, um, and, and then the, the Levites, I guess, are going around as well, kind of also just helping the people to understand what, what's being said. And, um, and again, that's, that's really the goal in hearing the Bible. You want to, you want to hear somebody who is, who's explaining the word of God so that you can understand it. And, uh, and that's really what we mean by, by hearing the word is, uh, is hearing it preached, hearing it taught so that, that you can understand it and apply it to your life. Um, so hearing the Bible, you know, I guess the other thing about, about hearing is, um, you know, when, when you just read it, you, you read it, that's, that's wonderful, but there's, there's something special about that moment where, where somebody's preaching, where somebody has studied it for, uh, an extended period of time and really looked at that passage. And I think you're able to kind of get more out of it. You're able to, to see more than you would maybe see on your own. And when you hear the word of God taught like that, it kind of should teach you to kind of learn how to dig into the word deeper yourselves. And that, that really is the goal is that you would understand it and, and see things maybe that you hadn't seen before and, and kind of learn how to read and, and interpret the Bible uh, in greater ways on your own. And so, first of all, we saw hearing the Bible. Uh, and, and again, I, I could just maybe say about that, that um, that's a, an important part of your sanctification and spiritual growth is being in a church on Sunday morning where the Word of God is preached and taught and, and making, as the Puritans would say, like making the, the best use of your Sundays. I think we saw that in J.C. Ryle's book, Holiness, that we've been studying in men's ministry, making the best use of your Sundays. And of course, you guys are here Sunday night, so you're really making good use of your Sunday. And I think that's an important part of, of just growing in the Christian life. So um, hear the Bible. Secondly, read the Bible. Read the Bible. Uh, Revelation 1 and verse 3 said, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. And so there's a, a blessing here on the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the word of this prophecy. And, and of course, this blessing would apply not just to reading Revelation, but really reading all of Scripture is profitable. Uh, in First Timothy 4.13, Paul tells Timothy, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. And so we are to be devoted to the public reading of Scripture. This is why we read Scripture on Sunday mornings and do prayer, because of this verse right here. We're, to, we're commanded in 1 Timothy 4 to, to do this, to publicly read the Scripture. And if we read it every Sunday, we read a chapter every Sunday, we, we actually get through quite a bit over the course of a year. Just one chapter a week, but, but we kind of make our way through and, and, and we, we profit from the Word of God. And, uh, and this very thing is commanded in Scripture. So read the Bible. That would include your own kind of personal time. You should, you should be reading God's Word. You should be just reading it. But then, then we need to even go beyond just reading. And, and I think it's, it's sometimes helpful just to, just to kind of read large chunks. Just like, I'm going to read through this book. I'm going to read through that book. I'm going to, I'm going to read through my Bible in a year. Those are, those are great goals that, that we should have. 
But we also want to go just beyond just reading and we want to dig deep into the Bible. And that's this next one. This one is study the Bible. And the goal of studying is, is to, um, to understand what it means, to understand how to apply it to our lives. And we're going to, we're going to talk more about this one, um, in the next, in the next time we get together. But, um, as an example of studying the Bible, Paul is, uh, evangelizing. Uh, he's, he's on his missionary journey. He's been in Thessalonica and, uh, he was persecuted and run out of town. And, uh, they, they, verse 10, Acts 17, 10, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. And so we see here the, the Jews of Berea, they, they received the word of God with all eagerness. And, and as Paul was telling them about Jesus, the Christ, they, they went and, and they looked, they, they searched the scriptures, they examined daily. They would go to the word and see, Hey, is, is what Paul's saying true? Does it line up with scripture? Does it, does it line up with what the Old Testament says about the Messiah? And so they were, they were studying the Bible to see if the things that they were being taught were correct. And, uh, and Luke says that's a noble thing that they did. Uh, another aspect of studying the Bible, Proverbs chapter two kind of opens up with this command to his son, Solomon speaking to his son. He says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And so the question in your, in your FOF books is how should we search for wisdom and understanding, well, verse 4 there, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. This is kind of the, the studying of Scripture, eagerly examining the Scripture, looking like silver, trying to find wisdom from the Word of God. This is how we should study the Bible. And uh, Psalm 19 kind of talks about that as well. It says there that, and, and remember, remember Psalm 19, we talked about it when we went over Revelation and there was those seven, um, or was it five synonyms there for the word of God in earlier in Psalm 19? Um, yeah, I don't know, Psalm 19, seven to nine, I'm going to say there was, there was all these synonyms for God's word. And then it says in verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. And the idea here is that the word of God is, is more to be desired than gold. We should, we should want it more than a big stack of money. You know, I, I, I once told a guy, um, you know, I said, if, if you knew every morning that, 
that there was going to be a, um, a brick of gold on your front doorstep if you got up at six o'clock. But if you got up at, at six thirty, it would be gone. You know, what would you do? Well, he's like, well, I'd be getting up early. Well, this is more to be desired than gold, right? The word of God is more important even than much fine gold. It's, it's sweeter than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. It's, it's better. Now, maybe, maybe you kids don't believe me, but this is, this is wisdom from God in His Word. And, uh, and God Himself tells us that it's more to be desired. It's, it's greater than gold because it's going to give you wisdom for your whole life. It's going to give you wisdom for eternal life. And so the Word of God is, is something that, that we need to study and, uh, and get our wisdom for, for each day. So study the Bible. And we're going to talk more about how do we study, how do we understand it, how do we dig into it uh, a little bit more next time. And um, and we'll get into what, what we call hermeneutics, uh, but very, very briefly, just just a little bit, how do we interpret and understand the Word of God. But But we need to study the Bible. Reading it's not enough. But then we also need to do more. We need to memorize it. We need to, we need to remember it. We need to know it so that it's, it's right there. Just like when Jesus is, is in the desert being tempted by the devil, he can't just like, oh, what's that verse? Oh yeah, uh, uh, wait, let me get my scroll. You know, it's just, it's just right there on the tip of his tongue. He, he knows exactly what the word says and he know, he has Deuteronomy 8.3 and 6.16 and 6.13 memorized and he can just quote them to the devil. And in the same way, if we're going to guard ourselves and be sanctified and be helpful for people, we need to have the Word of God kind of on the tip of our tongue, right, right sharp in our mind, memorized, so that we can, can know it and, and obey it. And so Psalm, I think we've got Psalm 119 verse 9 asks, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it or by keeping it according to your Word. So how can we keep our way pure? We, we need to, to have the Word of God. And then just a few verses later, verse 11, I have stored up your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Really great um, psalm there, Psalm 119. I've, I've stored up your Word in my, in my heart. In other words, I, I've memorized your Word, Lord, that I might not sin against you. It, it, it's not only just even in my mind, but it's, it's just, it's even, it's, it's motivating my affections. It's, 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 it's in all, all of who I am knows your word that, that I might not sin against you. So we need to memorize the Bible. And God told Israel to remember his word in Deuteronomy 11. And this is, this is right in there in your workbooks. Um, Deuteronomy 11, 18 and 19 are, are two questions that you've got there. How did God command Israel to remember his word? Well, verse 18, it says there, you shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house and when you are walking by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And so God wants Israel to store the word, to, to lay up the word of God in their heart and in their soul. And he wants it on their hand. Not, not, you know, I think the Jews actually would do that. They'd put little boxes on their hand. The, the point isn't so that you've got something written on your hand. The point is so that you know the word of God, so that you remember it. 
And so it's written on, you know, write it down everywhere. Write it down so that when you, when you kind of walk around the house, you see it there again. And uh, it, it's kind of a, a memory device when you walk by the way. Um, around our house, Jody sometimes has verses kind of posted up here and there. And it's, it's helpful just to kind of remember them, to see them there. And, uh, and so that's kind of the idea that Israel was doing and, and going on into verse 21 that you're, why do we do this? Why do we memorize the word? Why do we store it? That your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as long as the heavens are above the earth. For if you will be careful to do all this commandment that I command you to do, loving the Lord your God, walking in all his ways, holding fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you. And it goes on to kind of give a, a whole bunch of blessings that are going to happen. But in other words, memorize this, the word of God, that, that you might be careful to do it, that you might obey it, that, that it'll kind of be right there with you and you'll love the Lord and walk in his ways and, and hold fast to him. Um, in, in, I think it's in the sermon, uh, and, and I probably didn't even tell you guys, but there's, there's sermons that John MacArthur gives that kind of are meant to go with this curriculum. And so there was a sermon from lesson one on the word of God. And there's a sermon from, um, lesson two here on how to study the scripture. And, um, and if you ever wanted, I could, I could kind of give you those. If you go to, um, gty.org slash FOF, they're, they're kind of all there for you. But in, in this, this sermon, John MacArthur says at one point, um, I think it's this sermon. He says, he says, I used to enjoy a good sin. You know, I used to, I used to enjoy, and I don't know what he's, what he's actually talking about there, but he's kind of, he's just kind of this moment of confession. And then he says, but now when I even just think about a sin, about like 20 verses come to mind of why that's wrong and how it's inappropriate and, and what God will do if I do those things. And so, you know, it's the, the word of God is so impacted his mind that even as he, even contemplates doing a sin, it's like, whoa, like, no way, there's all these verses are assailing me. And, uh, and, and really that's, that's kind of the idea here. As, as the word of God is, is in our heart and in our minds, when, when sins come to mind, when temptation comes to mind, the Holy Spirit's gonna use the word and, and bring it to mind to keep us pure, to keep us out of sin, to keep us on the true path. And so, we should, we should memorize the Bible. Um, Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. And so the, there's this connection between the, the law being in, this, in the psalmist's heart and his delight in doing the will of God. And uh, a good prayer for, for that um, kind of goes along with this whole theme, Psalm 1914, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And again, if we think, how is, how are, how are the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart going to be acceptable? Well, what, what could be more acceptable than the word of God in our hearts and minds? And so that's a, a prayer really that, that we would be fixed on, on scripture, on God's word. So, memorize the Bible, and then finally, meditate on the Bible. Meditate on the Bible, and the idea of meditating is, is just to, to kind of chew it over, to think about it, to really, really dwell on it. 
Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit and its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. And so here's this this blessed man and, and he's keeping away from sin and he's keeping away from sinners and he's, he's keeping him, himself away from bad influences in his life. And on the, on the positive side, he's delighting in God's word. He's delighting in the law and he's meditating on it day and night. He's thinking about what God says in his word day and night. And, and this man is like a tree planted by living waters, by streams of water. And, and this is a, a fruitful man. And even in the, the difficult seasons, even in the, 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 the trials of life, his leaf does not wither. And in all he does, he prospers. And again, it's because this person has been meditating on the law of God. And, and if you think about it, how is he meditating in the night? Well, it's because he memorized the word of God, right? Otherwise, now maybe that's too simplistic or something, but otherwise it's too dark to see, right? And so how is he thinking about it in the night? It's because he's, he's first memorized it and now he's, he's chewing on it. He's, he's thinking about it. And, and when we're talking about meditation, we're really thinking, we're thinking about what does it mean and how do I apply it to my life? How do I live these verses out? That's what we're talking about when we talk about meditation. And here's MacArthur on that. He says, um, in page 18 of, of your FOF book there, he says, meditation is prayerful reflection on scripture with a view toward, uh, it's probably supposed to say understanding and application. Give prayerful thought to God's word with the goal of conforming your life to his will. And so that's, that's kind of a, a basic definition of meditation. Just, just prayerfully reflecting on scripture and, um, you know, as an example of that, I, I think when you think about the Puritans, and if you've ever read kind of a, a Puritan book, those those guys really meditated on Scripture. They really spent time thinking about Scripture, and they they really drew so much out of just like one verse or one phrase or one clause. They would just think on it and think on it until it, until there was just they would write massive books on just on just this one verse or this one one word and they would just kind of bring all of scripture together and really that's that's what we should be doing as well is just meditating on scripture knowing it understanding it and and seeing what's really there in the word of god there's so much more in the word than we typically see and uh and so we need to go deep in god's word joshua was told to meditate in order to be strong and uh and so the lord tells him in joshua 1, 7, and 8, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success." And so the Lord commands Joshua to meditate on the book of the law, to meditate 
on the books that Moses had written for him. And, and as he does that, he's going to be successful. He's going to be strong. He's going to be courageous. The Lord is going to strengthen him through the word so that he can obey it and, uh, and have success in what God had called him to do. Uh, if we're going to meditate on Scripture, we need to, to pray prayers, asking the Lord to give us understanding. And uh, so Psalm 119, verse 73 says, Your hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. That's a, a good prayer. Um, open, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things from your law. I forget what verse that is, but that's uh, another verse that... Um, that kind of goes along with that. Psalm 119, 125, I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. And so the, the psalmists are, are praying that, that they would have understanding into the word of God. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's it for tonight. That's what I've got for tonight. So kind of just looking at, at scriptures, right? We're gonna, we're to hear, we're to, read, we're to study the Word, we're to memorize the Word, we're to meditate on the Word. Uh, next time when we come back, next time that we have an evening service, I think it's probably canceled over the Easter time, and so we probably don't have one till the end of April. Um, but next time we come back, I'd, I'd like to get your, your FOF Lesson 2 done, so, so hand those in, really, any time between now and next time, and I'll, I'll mark those for you. And then when we come back next time, we're going to talk more about how do we study the Bible? What, is it, what does it look like to, to study Scripture, to prepare ourselves, to observe what's there, to interpret the Bible? How do we apply the Bible? And, uh, and so we'll talk about that. We'll even, there's even some exercises in your uh, FOF book on how to do that. And so that's for next time. Uh, but yeah, thanks for being here this evening. Um, be in the word. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for our time together. Uh, thank you that we have some, some extra time maybe this evening to, to play together, to, uh, to play some basketball or whatever with the kids. We pray you bless our fellowship now. We thank you again for this evening, for our food, for everything. Uh, we thank you for your word, Father, and uh, we pray that we would do these things. Help us to study your word. Help us to know your word, to memorize it, to meditate on it. And uh, help us to be obedient to it as well. We pray for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.